As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial Corp. at 4536 Clyde Morris in Port Orange. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, a member of FINRA, SIPC. AKH Financial and Sage Point are independently operated. She joins us live in studio today, dressed for Bike Week on WNDB. It's good to see you, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I might have to get down there to the boardwalk. I don't. I don't think I've been there in like 20 years. So that's very cleaned up. Very cleaned up. Um, I, when I saw the number this morning that said that the stimulus was 10% of the economy, I'm, I'm like, how can that possibly be? And what effect would it have on the markets? So, what is going on in the markets today? And are they looking at that number staggered? I mean, it's March Madness. That's definitely what's going on. Full effect right now. We got all new highs. Uh, today, the Dow, the S&P, the Nasdaq's coming back from a uh, a bit of a correction that it had last week where it fell to a good critical support. We had an even further correction in Nasdaq on Monday, but it just appeared to be grossly oversold. <clears throat> so investors, if you jumped in on that opportunity on Monday, you are feeling real good today because we had an unbelievable rally Tuesday across all the indices, but especially just... It was the volume was unreal. I've never seen a, a day like that. We had another big rebound Wednesday, another jump today, and there's just there's more buyers than sellers out there. So treasury bond yields, they're settling back down and those growth stocks are starting to firm back up. So that's very bullish for equities. The market's just kind of shrugged off its concerns. So is it smooth sailing from here? Well, it's it's the perfect storm for sailing. I mean, it is literally an equity utopia, at least for right now. So I would certainly expect continued volatility. The the market is a very manic crowd. So I, I don't expect it to go up every day. I mean, Tuesday was just kind of insane. So the only fear I, I see now is the potential of like the new mutant strains from the COVID virus. You know, this could give us a relapse of what we saw in 2020. And are they really as dangerous as the media is portraying? Is it just kind of fear mongering? And But if you're out there, everybody's doing business. I mean. It's very busy with Bike Week right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> There's a lot of bikes out there. <laughs> a lot of bikes, a lot of retail doing business. The restaurants are all doing well. It's almost like these people don't really believe there's any more of a COVID. Yeah, I mean, you can see states are starting to open back up again and the money is pouring into the market. So like airlines, cruise ships, sporting events, they're all opening back up. I mean, we as humans, we don't want to be locked up. We want to get out. And, 
you know, the, another challenge is kind of the willingness for people to want to go back to work. You know, unemployment will eventually come down, but right now you're right. Like housing is booming and manufacturing is booming and there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that, you know, furniture, appliances, corporate profits go up with all the production and the economy needs that GDP to combat all of this debt. Okay, since they passed the stimulus bill, is there other economic news that's coming out regarding the markets? Yes, yes. Um, you know, economic news typically comes out weekly. Um, it's no surprise, obviously, that they passed the stimulus bill. Um, I think he just signed it maybe an hour ago. Um, not a single Republican voted for that, by the right. way. So it's still a very divided Congress. Um, but stimulus is always going to take the front page news. Um, some other, uh, you know, economic indicators that came out, I would specifically talk about CPI. So CPI came out Wednesday morning. That's the Consumer Price Index. And that is basically what's the cost to live for consumers. So it's a lagging indicator for the markets because it takes time to analyze all of that data. But conversely, the PPI, that's an indicator for the producers. So what does it cost to, to make stuff and the input cost to get the goods to consumers? So if you put those indicators into perspective, the market got freaked out last week. Right. Thinking that inflation was coming like yesterday. So they are afraid of runaway rates. The 10 year might go to two and a half percent in a week. So those growth stocks get dumped because you're thinking to yourself, how do I make money from here if inflation is already here? OK, but I got to stop you and ask you because you've leapt uncontrollably into the truth. Uh -oh. CPI, <laughs> CPI, as it relates to oil prices, Texas crude was sixty six dollars and change the other day. Isn't that going to put increases on virtually everything and i know in cpi they don't include food and energy, energy do they? right which is stupid because it's almost it's, everything it's questionable yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> will that affect other areas of the economy yeah i mean uh, inflation is obviously concerned you know it's that you know the deterioration of the value of money but the market yeah that freaked out last week it's like a board a board oh my god things are inflation's here and then miraculously this week, the tune changes and, you know, rates start to normalize. Um, you know, the CPI was tame, but you're right. It doesn't include those key things that consumers are already seeing are up. But when it comes to the market, people flood back into it because now they think that they have time. So if you think that all these costs are going to go up in the near future, you know, what do most people do now? They they buy stuff now because they don't want to do it six months from now. Well, corporations also do that. So they're buying stuff now because they want to hedge against those future costs, like you had talked about well, a while ago with gas and airlines mm -hmm. and all that. Um, so if we have all this really strong accelerating sales and earnings and we're going into another big earnings announcement, we're getting another round of checks going out, this time they are much bigger than the $600 ones previously. I mean, you could see a whole nother boost in retail sales and production and just everything across the board. So there's a lot of money piling in regardless of what those prices are doing. You, I know how busy you are with clients and products that you're representing to them. But have you looked at that stimulus bill, just how little of that actually gets to the people? How much of this is pork? It is a lot of standard congressional pork, yes. Um, it, it, they really could have called it, like I said before, anything except for the COVID relief package. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, if the market is is primed for a boost, obviously they they just can't run forever. 
What do you have to watch right now? Is it a market correction? What are you watching for? Um, you know, you just don't want to get complacent. I mean, this is a moving picture that every week we're going to talk about little things that change on it. So, you know, as you know, the market can change on a dime. And I think isn't today like the the one year anniversary from the COVID shutdowns. I, I think yes. it's the one year anniversary from Tom Hanks telling us that he had COVID. So <laughs> that's right. That is definitely something that you can see the entire world changed and nobody saw this coming or evolving to the level that it did. So um, it kind of goes back to like we talked about last week, like, is it a good time to buy a house? Well, it might be a great time to sell your house, but if rates start rising, then the consumer that wants to buy that house might not be able to afford those higher rates, the higher payments. So that's going to mean that that price of that house might have to adjust down so that they can meet each other. It can quickly go from a seller's market to a buyer's market. But, you know, the United States is it's resilient. It, it gets through all these things regardless. Amanda, how long can the Fed hold this dam back before they have to start raising rates? Because if the economy is heated, don't they have to make an adjustment so it doesn't overheat? I mean, they can do this for a while. <laughs> they, 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 they um, handle short-term rates. So, I mean, those pricings that are coming, those are coming from the bond market. Like I talked about last week, it's a protest in the bond market. You know, like we're not going to we're not going to allow these things to happen. So you get that little bit of a, a push and pull from it. But Jerome Powell has said it many, many times that he is not going to raise rates. So if he's not going to do it, I mean. Yeah, it just feels like they're printing money. What are other countries doing? How are they holding up from all of this? What are they doing? Well, I mean, you know, obviously other countries have taken quite a hit. You know, their shutdowns have been way more intense third world countries have just been devastated. You know, if we look at Europe or the UK or Canada, I mean, they are all borrowing as well to try to stimulate their economies. And I mean, they've been stimulating, you know, since 2008. So most of them are just in a, a perpetual conundrum of debt. So, you know, talking about rates, uh, Christine Lagarde, so she's, she's the Jerome Powell of the, you know, European Central Bank. So she announced this morning that they're accelerating their purchases because the German bun yield uh, surprisingly dropped. And so you've got the U.S. borrowing at a record pace. Europe is accelerating at a rapid pace. All these governments are just spending and printing, and it will be a huge issue for future generations. We don't hear much about the yen anymore. Are they still a player, the Japanese? Oh, yeah. China's doing great. We might want to learn how to say uh, yawn. I was going to say, do you have any Chinese <laughs> yeah, customers yet, China. clients? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, China is they're they're doing great. I mean, they they didn't give any stimulus it, to their people. Is their growth faster? Their GDP growth faster than ours now? Well, it was. It's a bit manipulated. Oh yeah, that's I mean, right. it, when you don't do not when you don't do anything for a very long period of time and then you do a ton of stuff, that growth is going to appear as though it is a massive amount of production and growth. I mean, they have been on the hook for stealing our artificial intelligence for years. And, you know, it, it's hard to compete. Com uh, companies want to be there. They want to be in that market. They want those consumers. But that is a big issue, is stealing of intellectual property. 
and while they put it to market right away, I kind of skipped over a question about the the other countries that were struggling. Like, how will they pay for their debt? Are they going to raise taxes? What will they do? I mean, I think everyone's just kind of winging it. <laughs> sort of pretending like they got a kind of strategy here. I don't really think there's a strategy. Because <laughs> like Portugal, is, Greece, Spain, they were all in trouble a few years ago. Are they still in trouble? Oh, for sure. I mean, th- this is going to be tough to handicap economically. When you have massive amounts of global government debt and you're stimulating things on a short-term basis, you know, that question is asked, how do you pay for it? And all I can assume is massive, massive tax regulation. You know, in fact, in this COVID relief bill, the $1.9 trillion, um, you know, they had to dial it back with about $60 billion of tax amendments. So you're, you're probably going to have to ask Sonia to elaborate on those details because they shoved that in there in the last moment and um, just to get it back to that $1.9 trillion. Now, who owns most of the U.S. debt? Uh, we Still, it's us. It's us? <laughs> I thought it was the Chinese. No, no, China. Um, I, they stop I think, buying bonds. Well, I don't think they hold much of our debt anymore. Maybe like a trillion. Um, the thing with China is that you know their theory, instead of printing money and giving it to the people, is you know they are going to build their economy internally, and they're going to do that by importing less and less, and they want to invest in businesses so that their people can work and have jobs. You know, they want to be the exporter, not the importer. And the people there, they know that China is not a welfare state, so they are inherently more, you know, disciplined as a people. And it's it's true capitalism there. I mean, it's still communistic politically, but, I mean, Xi Jinping is, he is definitely in charge for sure. And, in fact, he... Um, he appointed himself, you know, president into perpetuity. So yeah, kind of like Russia, same thing. <laughs> I, I, just as a comparison, is Canada doing well or are they struggling? Because you don't hear much about them in the news right now. Well, Canada, I mean, they're obviously they're doing real rough. They spent about a billion dollars on those, you know, the oil and the pipeline and those taxpayer money. I think their GDP is like. 300 percent um their debt is 300 percent of their gdp so that's three times the amount of what uh you know the united states is currently dealing with but i mean we're trying to catch up we're working on it (laughs) 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 all right let me wrap this up with a very important question if the markets are doing so great here lately how do investors manage their profits in the face of all of this yeah investors they always want maximum growth maximum protection and no risk so i mean good luck with that trifecta i mean that's a hard thing to kind of put together but if you've had really good success in your accounts especially in the short term you know as in in the past four days you could have jumped 17 percent in some of your stocks so um you you got to be cognizant of your short-term capital gains your long-term capital gains and especially in taxable accounts, you're you're definitely going to be exposed to the volatility of them going up or down and how to deal with the tax consequences of that. So there are a lot of different investments that are available to alleviate those problems. I tried to do more of a, uh, you know, advanced planning strategy, especially when I have clients that have very, you know, specific tax concerns, because if there's one thing they don't like, they don't like paying tax. So we have to kind of strategize the products. And, you know, there's 1031 exchanges for property, private placements. There's annuities. There's insurance. Uh, 
I always reverse engineer those client goals by calculating what they need to earn, keep, hedge, protect, and produce. And it's just all about the numbers. So when a client comes in, you know, we're going to analyze their entire financial picture and figure out where we can add value that is the most important to them. I remember having a gentleman educate me a little bit on what were called REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. Yes. You know, does, you, we don't hear much about that anymore. Is that passe or people have it, but they're holding on to it? Is it not a player anymore? Well, I mean, that's an alternative investment. So, I mean, there's different ones. There's, you know, limited partnerships. There's ones that are publicly traded on the exchanges. Uh, they're all a little different. They got into a lot of heat back in, you know, 2008. They even got into a lot of heat back in 2014. So they've had to unveil the transparency of those investments a lot more. And I think it made a lot of investors realize that it might not be the best thing for them. Okay. Uh, not that real estate's not a good investment, but some of those package products are a little bit advanced. And so you got to be able to understand what are you getting out of this? All right. I know you got to go, but I got to ask you this question. When you sit down with a client and you look at their total picture of what their goals are and what their tolerance for risk is and what their expectation is, do clients give you authority to grow money in certain areas? Do they, they give you a parameter saying, I'm willing to take this amount of risk, do what you got to do to get me here and leave it up to you? Or do they instruct you? Most clients instruct me. <laughs> they, not that they instruct me, they say, here, you do it. Now that's, a, that's discretion. Right. Um, you know, everybody is going to be different, but for the most part, I'd say like 90% of my clients are, you know, that's why they're hiring me as a professional because this is not what they do, you know, every day. They're not reading it. They don't want to be bothered with having to understand all the intricacies of the economy yeah. and, you know, what to buy, what not to buy. And so that, um, that task is certainly put on, you know, me as the advisor. And I have a great group of money managers and a team that, that we utilize to make sure that we're picking those best of breeds, those best asset classes, and we're doing it according to the client's risk tolerance and their goals. So people can make an appointment. You'll look at where their picture is, where they are right now, where they want to be in the next few years. And you ask a series of questions and then you build a profile and then you take it from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone has different goals depending on if they're short, intermediate or long term. And so I help them to kind of categorize those goals and place them in a level of priorities to help them kind of understand how to achieve them and what's best. So it, I was going to say I, I thought about your your uh, comment last week about the water. So I, I think I was going to create a SPAC and just turn my hose on in the backyard and I'll be rich. I'm telling you. Well, there was there was somebody out there that was buying up all these water stocks yeah. and supposedly selling them to the Chinese, but I, I don't know. It was well, the same guy in the windmill business. Well, I got two hoses in my backyard, so I'm set. Amanda <laughs> Hayes. <laughs> Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial Corp at 4536 Clyde Morris import orange call 386-846-0658 she'll be able to give you the answers to your questions good job amanda thanks for coming in and we'll see you next week have fun during bike week just oh, yeah. be careful of that slingshot down at the boardwalk don't do that oh. <laughs> no i did that once that was enough did you oh. 
There's got to be a video of that somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope not. There's a, somebody just turned up a picture of me with the uh, naked cowboy. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh. they're from 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I got to meet him when I went to New York down in Grand, uh, Grand Central yeah, Terminal. He's just what, walking around. Yeah, walking <laughs> Did you get your picture taken with him? Yeah, I, I, I missed that, so. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.